This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down, end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Welcome in, Raider Nation, to another edition of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton, your boy, Q. My man, Demond's in the home studio, and I'm in my home studio. But I'll tell you this, where I wish I was right now, and by the way, I'm looking at Demond, and I can see that the sun's out, gun's out today. He's got the... The tank top on. He's trying to flex on me over our little Zoom call. See, with the way we have it set up, when I'm not in studio, I got him on Zoom so I can check him out to make sure he stays in line. And he could do the same, make sure I stay in line. This dude's out here flexing right now on the on the video cam. So I can check him out. He's up there laughing at me. But he does have the red. He's got the red polo. It's not even a polo. It's a red tank top on. I got the red polo on. So he must have been reading my mind, knew that uh, today was going to be a power day. I'll tell you where I'd like to be right now is outside. What a beautiful day in Las Vegas it is right now. It's sunny. It's got a little bit of a little breeze going. It's not hot, and we probably have about, I don't know, three weeks maybe max where it's not going to be blazing hot. This is beautiful. I I promise you before the show started, well, probably about an hour ago, I went in my backyard and I did everything in my power to try to find a way to do the show from the backyard. I mean, I literally was like, okay, if I did this and I could extend this cord into the kitchen and I could just sit back here in the backyard and chill, and then the worst came over me, DeMond. I thought about all of a sudden some kind of feed will – well, you know what I mean? Something's bound to go wrong if I'm in the backyard. Yes, the worst things – the worst scenario possible. I bet no one's even home right now, but someone would trip over a wire. Right. Someone get disconnected. Exactly, exactly. So I thought, you know what, let me just not do that. Even though I was very tempted to try to find a way to do it, I said, let me just take my stankin' butt up into the home studio and make it happen. So here we are today, but I'll tell you, man, it is a beautiful day here in Las Vegas and a beautiful day for a radio show. Very excited about what we got coming for you for the next couple hours. Coming off the heels of JT the Brick, who always does a fantastic job. We'll sign off at 4 o'clock today. Vinny Bonsignor will be back in the home studio and maybe he'll have his red polo on as well coming in from uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. I mean, you want to talk about a dude who is living the life. That's Vinny Bonsignor, but he'll be in to close things out this afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. But right now, it's me and DeMond. We're on the sticks and we got to hold it down. And that's exactly what we plan on doing coming up on the show today at about eh, a little over 10 minutes from now we'll have mark ross from the nfl network he'll join the show for the opening drive to talk all things nfl draft and it's so funny when the raiders don't have a first round or a second round pick it almost feels like the draft isn't that important but we all know the draft is very important you know i mean it's it's always everyone focuses in on the first two rounds or really the first round it's like oh man they got this first round pick what are they gonna do in the first round the majority of teams are built on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Those middle rounds, you know, and then obviously some, some, some late round guys as well. But that's where the majority of your team is built in the middle rounds. Now, of course, you want to have a first round pick. You want to have a second round pick. I'm not saying you don't want those. I'm just saying that the majority of the league, if you look across, are guys from middle round picks. So it's very important to remember 
the Raiders still have draft picks. They still have draft capital. They're still going to be active, you know, when, when the draft is here in Las Vegas, and they're going to continue to help try to build the roster. So we're going to take a look at the draft, and we're going to do it a couple different ways on today's show. So we're going to talk to Mark Ross at about 2.15. He'll be the first one up, and we'll really kind of focus with him on the offensive line, the defensive line, and we'll look at some linebackers. You know what I mean? Like, we'll just – because there's so many different angles that you could take. So we're going to talk offensive line, defensive line, how deep the class is, and then linebackers as well. We'll do that with Mark Ross coming up at 2.15. Then at 2.45, Brandon Cristal, KOA 8.59, in Denver. He'll join the show to talk Final Four uh, because he is – he is out in New Orleans, and he is a KU alum. And, of course, Villanova and Kansas will be taking uh, part of the, the Final Four. And then Duke in North Carolina will close things out on Saturday. So today we'll talk with Brandon, and we'll talk Villanova and Kansas. Tomorrow with Brandon, we'll talk Duke, North Carolina. So we're going to talk and cover the Final Four like a glove, and we'll do that at 245 with Brandon Christown. If you remember that name, you'll be like, where did I even know that name from? He joined us earlier in the week from the owners' meetings, and he's a really good dude, really do appreciate uh, all his efforts, and uh, he joined us before from the Combine and has no problem joining us day after day after day just to give us an update on everything going on. So to be able to have a guy that is, you know, like an insider, just like Vinny Bonsignor does a fantastic job, to have almost our own insider at these different events is really cool and really helps take Raider Nation Radio to the next level. So Brandon will join us at 2.45. We'll check in quickly on the Final Four. At 3 o'clock, we'll have Cover 3 NFL news and notes of the day. We'll have all things to talk about when it comes to Cover 3 NFL, like uh, guys on the, on the field, players signing contracts. And also, we'll talk something that's major in the NFL that has nothing to do with on-the-field action, but it actually has to do with someone who covers the NFL like a glove. We'll talk about that coming up at 3 o'clock. And then 3.30, we'll have Joe DeLeon. He's uh, from the Believe uh, Podcast Network. He'll join us to talk about the NFL draft as well. But he'll join us, and he'll talk cornerbacks, safeties. We'll even talk, you know, maybe some, uh, some running backs, wide receivers, and other. So we have Mark Ross at 2.15. We'll, we'll be very specific with him. And then when we talk to Joe coming up at 3.30, we'll be very specific with him. So we've got the NFL draft covered like a book today for you, not to mention the Final Four and Cover 3 NFL news and notes of the day. And a linebacker, I'll just give you a little tease, a linebacker has landed with the team, signed a big-time contract. I know a lot of Raider fans wanted to see him, wanted to see him in the silver and black. That's not going to happen. Bobby Wagner, former Seattle Seahawk, is now a member of the L.A. Rams. And why wouldn't he be, right? Why wouldn't he be signed by the Rams? They have they, an endless amount of money. They have an endless amount of money. They give him a five-year deal worth up to $65 million. It's really a $50 million deal worth up to 65. But, you know, when you really look at – at the real contract, when they really break it down, we'll really see what the real money looks like because we know that that's all not guaranteed, and it most likely isn't really a five-year deal. It's probably a two-year deal with those avoidable years that you'd like to talk about, Devon. So uh, I'll be interested to see exactly what the contract numbers look like, but Bobby Wagner goes to L.A. because why wouldn't he, right? Everyone else is going to L.A., so just go ahead and do it. Yeah, they just have all this money to re-sign <laughs> players, sign free agents. I'm sure if they wanted to make it work, they could have signed Von Miller back and still have had room to get Bobby Wagner now. They show all the time that if you want to get it done, you can get it done. The Rams will do that, and they have no problem, and they feel like, hey, you know what, this is going to help our defense and going to help take us to the next level. And I'm not mad at them. 
I'm not mad at them at all, man. They, they are in what we continue to call win-now mode, and, and they're trying to win these games, and they're trying to win them right now. So uh, there you go. Big ups to the Rams to land Bobby Wagner on a nice deal. He stays in the NFC West, and I'm sure he'll have plenty of fun going up against the Seahawks a couple times a year. Now, I did want to ask a question. I did have a, a, th- a show topic that I want to throw out there to you, and you could always hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Caesars put out – the win totals across the league and how many win totals they think every team is going to get. Last season, Caesars had the Raiders at six and a half, and I remember doing a, a radio hit and someone asked me about that and said, Q, what do you think? Six and a half. You think that they're going to get over that, which basically means they need to win seven. And uh, I said, yeah. You know, if they don't, if they only, <laughs> if they don't win six, seven games, then something went terribly wrong and, and everybody ought to be fired. Well, we all know that over the course of the season for the Raiders last year, things did go terribly wrong. But they still won 10 games. So this year, Caesars put out the number of total wins that they have. And this is after the acquisition of Devontae Adams. They give them eight and a half wins. They went from six and a half wins without Devontae Adams to eight and a half wins with Devontae Adams. And I'm not one of those guys like, where's the respect? But when I see that eight and a half, I'm like, damn, where's the respect? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm never, I'm never the guy who gets upset and says, oh, they, they're not respecting the Raiders. But, man, are you serious? Eight and a half wins coming off ten? Hold on. Let me ask you this first. Were how many wins did they have the Broncos winning? Um, that is a good question. Because I'll have to look I want to see how they're how they're looking at the AFC West. Right. Because right. I've seen I've seen, I don't know if it's the same sports book, but I saw from one they got Denver for the at ten. See, that's see, that's the part where the disrespect does come in. Right. Denver's at ten, Kansas City's at ten and a half, and the Chargers are at 10. So 10 and a half, 10 and 8 and a half. So there you go. But I mean, hey, look, last year it was 6 and a half and the Raiders got 10 wins and they went to the playoffs. So there's that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, you can't always judge everything. But the the the, the question that I have for you Raider Nation, I would love to hear from you. Again, 69187 keyword R&R, that's the Sam and Ash text line. How many wins do you believe are realistic for the Raiders in 2022. What is your realistic total? And look, it's only March 31st. You haven't seen the draft yet, haven't gone through a training camp yet, haven't seen a preseason game, haven't seen anything. It's way too early to really talk about projected win totals. But since Caesars put it out there, who am I to say no to it, right? Since they put it out there already and gave the Raiders eight and a half total wins, what do you believe is realistic for the Raiders for their win totals in 2022. <laughs> we got a text from Raider J from SAC. Q trying to be on JT level. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, man. Hey, but that's cool. <laughs> Compliment. I mean, hey, you know, the, hey, my man's been in the game for a long time, so I'll take it, man. If I can have that longevity, I'll be all right. At least I know I still got a job. But, uh, okay, that'll work. Thank you, thank you, uh, Raider J. I definitely appreciate you chiming in from the 916, Sacramento, California. So, again, I throw out that question, and, and, and the thing about it is, I think, this is just me, and this is just me thinking way too early. Again, it's only March. Anything could happen at training camp, anything could happen at preseason, any, I mean, anything. We know that. I would say that at the very least, the Raiders should have 10 wins. At the very least, they should have 10. I believe that this is going to be, oh, I know that the roster is going to be an upgrade already. You got Devontae Adams. That's a huge upgrade. I believe the play calling is going to be an upgrade with Josh McDaniels. I believe the defense is going to be at least on par with what it was last season, if not better. 
And I think that they should get at least 10 calls in, or 10 calls, 10 wins in. I'm thinking about what DeMond just said, but 10 wins I think they should at least get. Now we'll go to that call that you're talking about, DeMond. Rod, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q, what's good? Hey, man, I'm chilling, man. It's a beautiful day out here. All right. It's beautiful. Oh, I lost you. Uh, we lost yeah, we lost him, Demond. We lost him. I think, I think, Demond. I think you were, I think you were coming over the airways, Demond. I think you might have been. Uh, I think you've been, been talking in my ear, but you weren't really I in said, my ear. I said like one word. I know, but I think you weren't like over. I think you were over there when you were doing that. <laughs> this is the beautiful communication that we have while we're in two different locations. Oh no, I know it. W- no, it wasn't over the air. Come on, man. I know my skills. We got Aaron in Vegas. Let's see. All right, let's try. Let's, let's try better. with Aaron. Aaron, right here in Vegas. W- welcome to the show, my man. Hey, DeMond, I'm sitting here on industrial behind Circus Circus picking my wife up for work. I'm sitting up here listening to, to your 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 uh, your prediction of 10 wins. Since we have uh, 17 games, I'm predicting 11. Okay. Or 12. Well, that's you why know, I said 10 I, at I, least. I, I said 10 at least. I, yeah, 10 at least. I, I agree with that. I expect the Raiders to at least 12 wins this year. Okay. Nice. At least out of out of seventeen game season, we should get twelve. Ooh. And I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna win the AFC West. Uh, we should be in the running for the AFC West. Uh, and yeah, let's go Raiders, baby! There you go. There you go. Fired up, Aaron in Vegas. I like that. And yeah, man, I I was saying ten because Caesars gave the Raiders eight and a half, and I I just really was kind of shocked by that. Saying they're a team that came off ten wins, I'm actually really shocked that they only gave them eight and a half. But I mean, we know how it goes sometimes. You know, they, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, doubts, I guess, when it comes to the Raiders. And I just, I just don't see it right now. But, again, there's a long time between now and then, and we'll have to see how they continue to build this roster. But eight and a half, I think, is a little bit low for what the Raiders' total should be. But I guess if you're looking at it as a glass half full, there's, there's two more wins than they gave them last year. <laughs> so I guess there's that. But, I mean, that's, it, it is what it is. Um, got a text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Fish in Berkeley. We won't ask for respect from the media and the odds maker. We're going to take it. 11 wins or better is what we going to do. I like it. All right, there you go. Raider Fish in Berkeley, 11 wins is the total. Right now on the phone lines, well, let's get it to real quick, and we'll get to the phone lines. Let's jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Right now on the phone lines from NFL Network is our Mark Ross. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Ross. And the NFL Network is your home for the NFL draft. And, Mark, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. As we get closer and closer to the draft and you start to look at the offensive line, how deep of an offensive line, especially a, a tackle class, do you believe this is? Oh, this is, might be the uh, deepest class I've done, uh, I don't know, in a while. You might see about eight, nine guys get drafted in the first round as far as the line. It's a nice variety of guys, too. you got tackles, you got guards, you got in, at center. So you got a little bit of everything. And these aren't just guys that are just going to get up in there just because there's some, you know, everyone needs them. But these are legitimate, I think, some really legitimate players better in this class how difficult has it become to evaluate offensive linemen because of the style of play that goes on in college as opposed to nfl style well i you know i think that's a little bit overblown because there's certain tenets of scouting that you look for at all positions certainly 
at the offensive line where you look at how good the, the guy's feet are, you look at his flexibility, you look at the bend, you look at the strength, the movement. So those sort of things that are, are, are inherent in all sort of positions, uh, those basics of scouting. And now the way the NFL game is played, you know, maybe five years ago, six years ago, when the NFL was still trying to hold on to some old-style run-the-ball sort of play as opposed to colleges that were more wide open and throwing the ball and getting the ball out quick. Well, now NFL teams play like that. So basically right. the, the NFL has adapted the college game. So pretty much what offensive linemen do in college They'll do in the NFL now where it's not that big of a deal where you go from a spread offense in college and then you're going for a, a run, run-based run offense in the NFL. If you've if you're got a good quarterback in the NFL, you're spreading it out and throwing it too. So I think these guys are making the transition fairly fairly quickly. Talking right now with Mark Ross from the NFL Network here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, talking all things NFL draft. And how about Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa? I know a lot of guys are really excited about him and the potential that he could do on the next level. And then some are kind of, you know, there's a couple red flags here and there. What are your thoughts on Penning? Oh, I like him. He's um, just a, a big old dude. And um, that program, for being a small school program, they, they're pretty, have a good track record putting guys in the NFL, Northern Iowa there. And you know, he's got size, he's got good movement, and, and he'll get better. He's played a lot, but there's still a, a lot that he can get better at with pro coaching. Uh, so, you know, he plays the game, he's tough, he plays the game the right way. So I think he's definitely one of those guys who will get taken in the first round and be a, a long-time good starter uh, in the NFL. So there's eight or nine guys that could potentially go in the first round, as you mentioned earlier. What about later round guys? Because currently the Raiders don't have a first or second round pick, and you mentioned this class is kind of deep. Who do you think will be there maybe, you know, at the start of day, not day three, but round three, or even late round two? <laughs> You're going way down the line for <laughs> all those guys. Right. You, you, you dig a deep. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, the name doesn't jump out at, at me right now. Just going that deep in there, focus a lot more on first, second, kind of round guys. So, right. uh, Raiders, it, it's more so if you're picking down there, you're not really looking for an instant sort of starter. It's more that long-term player or developmental player, year two or year three that you're looking at. Uh, you, you know, kind of those, you know, they always happen. They always jump out of there where those guys in those mid-rounds, mid you have to hit on those or supplementary players. But you really shouldn't be looking at a draft in the third, fourth round saying, okay, we, we got to solve our O-line problems or solve our starter uh, position and starter problem at that deep in the draft. Would you think that that would be a position, uh, being, like I said, in the round of the third round where it's it's really actually best player available on your board? Like, hey, this is the next guy on our board. He's there. Okay, boom. That's a great selection. Well, you always you always hear that. The question I get asked most of Scott, is it best player available or is it need? And what happens in draft meetings? That's why you talk about players and, and meetings and talk about what you need, and then you match it with who the best player available. What you don't want to do is overvalue players because you think you need a certain position, which means you overvalue a position because of that. So you always want to have the perfect balance of identifying what your weaknesses are on your team and, and how you solve that through the draft but also taking those guys at the right value for where they should be taken and not overvaluing them, taking them around or two earlier and thinking you're solving your problems. So that that's the best match for the Raiders where you set your draft board up by the best value of players. And then once you get in your draft meetings and on draft the day, say, okay, if we have a certain needed offensive lineman uh, and he's by far the best player or someone, a receiver is equal to that, then you go with the, the, t the position of need 
over someone you may have at the same value, but you definitely don't want to jump over players to take a, a position of need. Talking all things NFL Draft right now with Mark Ross from NFL Network on Twitter, at Mark Ross here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Mark, I want to move over to linebacker and ask specifically about Muma out of Wyoming. He's a freak athlete, but obviously not getting the attention because he's playing in Wyoming. Do you think that he would be around maybe the late second, early third round for the Raiders? Well, he's gotten plenty of attention. <laughs> so he's been at the combine. You know, everybody knows him. He's worked out. So, yeah, he, he it's not Georgia, but it's still in the NFL nowadays. There's no such thing as sleepers or under-the-radar guys. It's just a matter of if teams value guys higher or not. But, yeah, everyone knows the guy, especially if he works out like he did. He was, he was incredibly productive there at Wyoming just as far as the tackles. But, yeah, in, in, this, in the way he plays the game now, the modern, talk about the modern NFL I mean, the guy is, runs all over the field. He, it covers a lot of ground, a lot of space, and that's kind of what you need in the NFL now, the modern linebacker, not just taking on guys in between the tackles. So I think teams will really be intrigued by his talent and his skill set for what he does because you see it happen, how he plays there at Wyoming, how he's just everywhere. So, you know, his value, I think, could be there in that second round. All right, you speak of his value, but do you think in the right system that he could be a day one starter in the NFL? Well, day one is hard to say, but yes, of course. If you're taking him there, you're expect that's the expectation. You know, if you're taking guys in the first, second round, that when you set up your your board and you're valuing players, it's yes, we expect these guys to be starters very soon. You know, early on, and he fits in that mold. He fits fits in that mix. Of, of the talent and the skill level that he has because what he does transfers well. Again, as I said, it transfers well to the NFL. Uh, hey, put that guy out there. Uh, it's a space game, and this guy can cover space. A couple of more linebackers that I wanted to ask you about, Terrell Bernard from Baylor and then Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, both, you know, again, you know, real good players. I think uh, you know, Leo Chanel, just, just to focus on him, he was one of my – you know, uh, underrated players. He wasn't asleep, but just going into the combine where he kind of got knocked a little bit the way he played at Wisconsin, that the guy, you know, couldn't move well, wasn't at space. I think at the combine, he really proved a lot of people wrong with the way he moved around and the way he ran. But when you, another guy, you watch the way he plays, um, with he, he just is incredibly productive, excellent instincts. He comes downhill, he gets around the ball a lot. Um, you know, just a tough guy with, with a high motor and, you know, I think he's another guy that'll step right in. And, you know, Wisconsin linebackers, have, again, you talk about track records and, and, and school. You always want to look for schools that produce players that you know uh, have a track record for producing in the NFL, and Wisconsin does that, um, it, it, you know, consistently. What, uh, is there any kind of round projection that you have for him? I think he could be a, a second-round guy as well. Okay, yeah, okay. third-round uh, guy as well. Yep, yep. All right. Big, that, fast, strong, tough, <laughs> those things things as hard to take away from. Right, absolutely. No doubt about it. Again, talking with Mark Ross here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, of course, as far as the defensive tackles go, uh, everyone remembers Jordan Davis from Georgia, knows everything that he did at the Combine. He was fantastic. There's not too many of him, but how deep of this to, is this defensive tackle class for you? Well, you know, there's certain positions that are, as we mentioned, are line incredible depth, receiver, excellent. Uh, corners are really good. There's other positions that are just not as strong, and I think the DT position is just not as strong. And just the impact that those players have nowadays. Everyone knows Aaron Donald, but besides Aaron Donald or Chris Jones, you know, there's just really those guys in there are just 
grunt kind of players, make a mess, make things happen. And when you look at these this college group, it's just a bunch of those kind of guys, not really the, the huge standouts or difference makers at that position. That's just not the nature of that position. So when you're looking at this position here, I just kind of see a lot of those sort of, you know, make a mess sort of guys. You know, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis's teammate there, maybe the best of the next group. And, um, you know, Mathis from Alabama or Travis Jones from UConn. Those sort of guys are in there. You need those guys on your team. They're not your super playmakers, but you always need those sort of, I call them grunt players in there uh, to make things happen. Got one more player that I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know how much you know how much uh, deep diving you've done on this young man, but uh, he's a tall dude, six foot six, Logan Hall out of uh, Houston, the edge rusher. What are your thoughts on him? If if you've done any kind of deep diving on him, yeah, no, he yeah he is tall, but uh, <laughs> and he's different than the, the way he's built inside there, kind of more of a three four defensive end build. Uh, I don't want to compare him to Calais Campbell, but just the guy that's Rick Calais is that kind of that tall guy that. Uh, but this guy's another one that plays just plays really hard, very quick. I mean, gives his all on every play, and you know he can get in the gaps and penetrate. You know that's kind of his specialty there, just to to get in there and penetrate and and just nonstop after the ball. So he he again another guy that kind of fits into the mold of hey we need this sort of player on our team. He'll start in the league. He'll be an effective player at what he does. Yeah, Mark. Outside of first-round guys, is there anyone that you think, if this guy is still available in the mid-third round, that no matter what the need is, this would be a steal? <laughs> well, my I've been saying this for months, and I probably talked him up a little too much. He probably won't get to the third now, but the receiver, Sky Moore from mm. Western Michigan, who I just absolutely – every draft year with my scouts that I would have, it's like, okay, we – day before the draft who's your favorite player in the draft and it wasn't who's the best who's going to be a pro bowl it's just who's the guy that you watch you just love and feel good about and sky Moore this year was the guy that i watched um who just has an incredible feel for the game i mean he's incredibly productive um he catches everything i mean he runs around just as good or better than anyone in the draft and he's he's kind of a mini debo samuel when he gets the ball in his hands where he breaks a lot of tackles and um, makes things happen so He's just my favorite guy to really watch, and wherever he goes, whatever team he goes to, I think he'll, he's going to make an impact and make plays for team for a team. Mark, before we let you go, I did want to ask about you know your scouting days, obviously your times in the front office. At what point in, in, before the draft is the board set and, and you guys are ready to go, rock and roll? A couple of days before the draft, how we did it where – you know, you have weeks and weeks of meetings, and really, it's an old, it's a it's an entire year process where you're just putting it all together and massaging it, and and then the weeks leading up to the draft, you're putting it together. But we like to have it set a couple days before, and then just do some fine tuning or clerical work of stuff. The players calling them to say what's up and talking about you know, getting draft, you know, post draft free agency signing guys and stuff, and and, and then the day before, you're kind of with the ownership just putting them, making them involved, getting them involved, and, and giving them the layout of how what we're thinking about and scenarios of trading and whatnot in the first, second round. But, you know, it's really an, an ongoing process for months. And, you know, if you're scrambling the day before or two days before the draft, you, you haven't done the process right. So we always like to feel good about it, go have a nice big dinner, you know, before <laughs> the draft, relax, and then go at, go at it for those days. 
Right. Well, those days are coming up quick, fast, and in a hurry. We're just about uh, less than 30 days away. It'll take place right here in Las Vegas starting on April 28th. Mark, fantastic stuff as always. We do appreciate you. I know NFL Network will have the draft covered like a glove. I'm sure you'll be out here in Vegas with the rest of the crew. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate you. Sure thing. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much. There he goes. Mark Ross from NFL Network does a great job breaking down uh, these draft picks or, or potential draft picks. I've spent plenty of time in uh, front offices, so it just gives you a good idea of what teams are thinking, what they're looking at at this stage of game. Again, about 30 days out from the opening of the 2022 NFL Draft. 2.27 is the time. Many thanks to Mark. Definitely appreciate him. That's the way to get things started. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line. Of course, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword RNR. Anytime you want to chime in on the show, you could definitely do that. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I missed the text right while we were talking to Mark Ross about the NFL draft. Saw a text now. Can you ask him about Troy Anderson from Montana State? I'm sorry that I missed that, but I have it written down on my notes now. And uh, when we talk to Joe DeLeon at uh, 3.30, we'll definitely make that one of the first questions we ask. So thank you so much for that text. I apologize for not seeing it while we had Mark on, but we will definitely ask about Troy Anderson coming up at 3.30. Thank you so much for that. Another text. Hey, Q, what's the love fest the national media has with the Chargers and Broncos? Year in and year out, they crown them the champs and always disrespect us. I honestly, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, you know, like I said before, I don't like to subscribe to the, oh, my gosh, where's the respect? I don't, I don't like to subscribe to all that. But I'll tell you, in a division that I look at and I don't see one clear-cut favorite, I don't know how Caesars Sportsbook has the Chiefs at 10.5 wins and the Chargers at 10 wins and Denver at 10 wins and the Raiders at 8.5 wins. I mean, honestly, I look at the division and I don't see anyone that's head and tails better than the other. I just don't. And that includes the Raiders. I don't see them as, oh, man, there's a, they're the clear-cut favorites in the division. I don't. I see everything as a very close race in the AFC West. I really do. And I can look at the Chiefs and say, hey, their defense is suspect. I can look at the Chargers and say, you know what, there's always something that happens with the Chargers. Every single year when you think that they're going to be this great team, something always happens. So I can look at them. And the Raiders, what I can say for them is, hey, you know, the offensive line to me is still a little bit of a struggle. But uh, I don't really understand how you go from 10.5 wins to 8.5 wins uh, as far as the, the division goes, KC being 10.5, Denver and the, the Chargers being 10, and the Raiders at 8.5, especially – Coming off a 10-win season quarterback and star to the power. playoffs. Well, I, think that, I think that's all it is. When the bookmakers, they don't know how good which team's going to be. I think it is just the strength of, ah, man, Russell Wilson's going to win him an extra two games. Justin Herbert's phenomenal. Mahomes is a former MVP. And Derek Carr doesn't have that star rating. Well, he's when it got, comes to, right, I'm just saying, I, I'm just, I know I'm just being the devil's advocate. Yeah, no, I I'm hear just you. saying that I think that's what they're factoring in. Is that that's what maybe gives the Broncos one and a half more wins in the book size? Is that hey, we think Russell Wilson's a star, even though he hasn't been performing like it 
that much right. lately. And, and the thing about Russell Wilson, I mean, he hasn't won a whole lot of games when it's Russell Wilson, Cook, and nothing else. You know, it's usually when he wins a bunch of games and they win the Super Bowl, it's with what? A very strong defense and a very strong run game. So maybe they're saying that that's what Denver's going to have. I also want to throw in there that they have Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach who's never been a head coach before. I think there's something to that. You don't just jump into the, the, the driver's seat and all of a sudden there's no issues. There's no hiccups here and there. So, I don't know. We'll see. But that led to my show question today. Uh, how many wins do you think is realistic for the Raiders in 2022? Don't tell me, you know, that the Raiders are going to go win the Super Bowl and they're going to go undefeated. All. I mean, realistically, in your mind, what do you really think that they could win? Because, again, the odds makers have the Raiders at 8.5. Speaking of going undefeated and going to the Super Bowl, let's go out to the phone line talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. What's on your mind, Gangster? Hey, what's happening, man? I'm telling all the Raider fans now, on that, just like we did last year when it was had a six and a half, I hopped on it. We won. They, they just like giving us money for some reason. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, I predict that we're going to win at least 13 games. 13 is four is realistic. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, um, what you think, Q? Because um, with the weapons, offensive weapons we got now and the um, head coach, I think for um, teams that have to really try to cover all the weapons, it should open up even more running lanes for Derek Carr, and he should be easily, easy. He should be able to easily run for first downs way more if he uses his feet more effectively. What you think about that? And I'm telling you, Raider Nation, hop on it now before it go up, because if they smart, they're gonna take it to at least nine and a half. But hop on at eight and a half now and get paid like we did last year. I'm gone. There you go. Good call, Gangster Raider. Definitely appreciate that. And, yeah, I think everything opens up a lot with the weapons that the Raiders have now. I think that Josh Jacobs is going to have a lot more running lanes. I think Kenyon Drake's going to have a lot more running lanes. And I do think Derek Carr should be able to use his his legs from the pocket and if it's third and three, be able to step up in the pocket and, and pick up that, that three yards because it will be a little bit more spread out and, and wide open. And, again, I go back to the play calling of Josh Daniels. I don't think that that's been talked about enough. I believe that play calling is going to be a major factor in the success of the Raiders in 2022. Let's go out to Raider Rod. He called back. He had bad reception the first time. Here he is again. What's up, Raider Rod? Hey, Q, what's good, man? Thank you for taking my call. I'm not underwater anymore. I'm good. (laughs) All good, man. All (laughs) good. I hope I'm good. I'm hoping I'm good. You know, just to follow up with what Gangsta Gangsta was saying, you have me jumping from my phone, getting on the app. It's not available on the app, but I promise you, I'm headed down there, and I'm going to hammer that eight and a half. Because I'll tell you right now, I got, I got coming up on deck. We got the eight and a half, right in pocket. I got the Raiders plus four, four thousand, and then I got Derek Carr plus four thousand to win the MVP. Plus, I got the Raiders to to win the AFC plus 17. Man, they're just going to make me a happily rich new Las Vegas native. I tell you, that's what I think is going down. Hey, well, hey, man, I'm I'm rooting for you. Thank you for the call. I'm rooting for you. And look, dog. I'm rooting for him, too. Hey, man, rooting if you cash in on all that, man, we going to Sizzler, homeboy. We going to Sizzler if you cash in on all that. You ain't got – hey, look, we can meet a Sizzler, and, and I'll get the shrimp special, shrimp and steak. You know what I mean? All you can eat shrimp and get a little steak. I'll, I'll be okay with that. We going to Sizzler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'll try to tell you, my man's got his, uh, his, his hands in everyone's pockets with that one. Okay. I'm not mad at that at all. We got any more calls we got to get to real quick? Yeah, let's get Ray to Reggie on. Ray to Reggie, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's going on, family? Hey, I'm on it too. I don't usually I don't usually bet on the season like this with the Raiders. Last year I did because I was hopeful that they would get to that that 10-11 win. 
this year I'm like, oh, they stupid enough to keep doubting. That's fine. I'm 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 cashing up because I believe they should at least get 11 wins. Remember last year we won a couple that we should have lost, and we lost a couple we should have won. But with that being said, having this defense get solidified with another hundred sack guy on the line, <laughs> and then we got a true number one. Come on. They can do all that, but I, I love capitalizing on ignorance, and I think right now I'm ignorant, and I'm a cash in. I'm with you, gangster. Let's go, Raiders. There it is. There it is, Raider Reggie. Thank you for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. And look, I said it before: ten wins is what I think that they should at least have. Ten wins is what they. I, I believe that they should get anywhere. And this is without seeing the the schedule, without you know knowing who made the 53 man roster. They should get at least ten wins and. I, I would expect them to top out at 12. Anywhere between 10 and 12, I feel is comfortable. And that's a very small window, but I feel like that's – I would feel comfortable standing out saying, okay, this is where they're going to be. Let's go ahead and get one more call in. Damon, who we got up? Fargo Raider. Fargo, welcome to the show, man. You got about 60 seconds. Holler at us. Uh, hey, Q and Damon, thank you for taking my call. Uh, lovely day we're having out here. Everything's lovely. I think, you know, uh, Al David said it best. I'd rather be feared than respected. I don't want their respect. They can go ahead and, you know, say we're going to win too. All that tells me is that the the nation's going to line their pockets. I don't understand why they do that. If I were the one setting the stakes, I'd put them over. That way we don't get fleeced. You know everybody in the nation's going to bet that one. But hell, my my cousin still smacks me when he sees them because I got too drunk to put my bet down at the <laughs> at the sports book in week one before the game started. You know, I think we're getting eleven, maybe twelve. I don't see a clear cut division winner coming out. It's gonna be till the end. And man, I don't have no respect for the for the Kansas City condiments. The bungholes over here in Denver oh, or the discharges down south. Lord Jesus. We got continuity at our, at our important positions while they're fluctuating in, some, in, in a lot of them. I don't see them taking the division like everybody else does. But what else is new? We're Raiders. Thank you, guys. You have a good day. Thank you, my man. I'm, I'm fluctuating over here after that call. <laughs> I don't know to be fluctuating or to be flustered by all that that you just threw out there, but okay. Uh, I got you. I got you. I get the gist of the call, man. I do appreciate you. 2.41 is the time. When we come back, going to turn our attention to the final four, Villanova and Kansas. They're up first. Let's talk to Brandon Cristal all about it on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, cover three NFL news and notes of the day. Not only will we talk about some players that have signed, we'll also talk about a man that's covered the game for a very long time who is signing off. We'll talk all about that coming up at 3 o'clock. But right now on the phone lines, our guy, Brandon Cristal from KOA 850 and 94.1 in Denver. We had him on earlier this week talking the owners meeting. Now he's gone all the way to New Orleans. He's down in New Orleans for the final four, Villanova and Kansas, Duke and North Carolina. And, Brandon, thank you so much for your time again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And today let's talk Villanova and Kansas. I know you're a KU guy. You're a KU alum. So let's talk about your alma mater and Bill Self. A guy who's just a hell of a coach, obviously has an impeccable record. Uh, how exciting is this for Kansas, and how how big is this for Villanova? Exercise play 
I think it's obviously huge for Villanova, especially with with Mora, one of their best players, and and what they're still able to potentially do if they can not only get past KU, but beat the winner of the Carolina Duke game. I know we'll be able to talk about that game plenty too, but Kansas is well equipped to handle this challenge. It will be a challenge though. And talking with Doug Gottlieb a little bit about it, just trying to get a little basketball X's and O's. It it's not a great matchup for Kansas because of what. Villanova's guards will try to do against DeWan Harris and then the smaller Remy Martin. That's post them up. And then what their bigs will do, trying to pull out David McCormick or Mitch Lightfoot, the, the two Kansas big men that rotate for each other at center, trying to pull them out on the perimeter, will be a bit of, of a, obviously, a matchup concern. At the same time, Miami tried to do the same thing to Kansas. So did Creighton. Kansas was able to withstand it. And the one thing Kansas has been able to do this entire tournament, even when they've had a hard time scoring, is they've been able to really guard. And, and we saw that kind of throughout their first four games. So it's not just that Villanova is going to try to do things that, that make them uncomfortable and how do they attack them offensively, but, but they've been able to withstand these, you know, untraditional challenges, if you will, when, by pulling bigs out and, and posting up guards. So I, I, I certainly like Kansas's matchups in most spots. At the same time, if Villanova ends up winning that game, like we've seen Jay Wright do – a couple of times right. against Bill Self in recent years. It won't surprise me. Right. I mean, going back to 2018, you know, this is a rematch of uh, the Final Four in, in 2018, Villanova and Kansas, and Jay Wright and company came out on top of that one. But what about Bill Self just makes him go? He, he just pushes the right buttons, and, of course, he's got four- and five-star athletes all the time. But, I mean, just to be able to get all those guys to jail and be able to make a deep run each and every year, what is it about Coach Self? Well, he does a really good job every year, and it's funny. And as a Kansas alum, and I was there working on the Jayhawk Network doing pre- and post-game his first year in Lawrence all the way back in, in 2003-2004 after KU lost here in New Orleans to Carmelo and, and Roy Williams left and went to, went to Carolina. And, and he has, you can pull the script out almost every year where he'll tell you the team, he likes a lot of their, a lot of their pieces, we'll see how they come together in November when they get going. Then in December... He talks about the games they slip up in. Then in January, he gets really mad at them, right? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know if we're going to get there. And then by February, he tells you, yes, some things are starting to come together. And then in March, he tells you he really likes his team and they have a chance, and this is one of his favorite teams. And that's where he is this year again. <laughs> that this is one of his favorite teams. But, uh, you know, I mentioned talking with Doug Gottlieb. Doug also brought up the point last week. I had him on the podcast I do with Shelby Harris. And even though he picked – Gonzaga to win and to cut the nets down. Not only win last week, but cut the nets down. So, do we really trust Doug's knowledge? Uh, honestly, we do, right? You think you're right. right. Yeah, uh, we kind of do. And, and he knows the game really well. But, but his point, he said that this might be Bill Self's best coaching job to get this group of players this far. Because while they're good in spots, and I think maybe the, the biggest credit is that they play well together as a team and they're able to maximize most games. Ochai Abaji, who's maybe going to even be the player of the year, mm-hmm. has disappeared at times, and we've seen that. But in general, they're able to maximize their talent and, and get the most out of Christian Brown, who's likely going to be a pro, and Abaji a lot of games. Randy Martin coming back off that injury is shown as explosiveness. Juan Harris is a guy that self-trusts implicitly, even if they don't want him to shoot very much when he's running the offense and guarding on the other side. They like him. McCormick's foot, I think, has been an issue. But inside, he's been really good with that little turnaround jumper over his left shoulder and, and pretty good on the glass. Jalen Wilson's been great on the glass, especially offensively. And if his shot's falling, it, it adds an extra dimension. So 
they're good at every spot. Those aren't NBA guys at every spot. I don't think Remy Martin's an NBA player. Maybe he's a, a G League call-up here and there and can probably make a lot of money in Europe with how he can score. But we've got a couple of pros on the wing that, that, again, to Doug's point, he's like, other than those two guys, I don't think any of the rest of them would have gotten on self's really good team, certainly not on the court. Certainly right. not in 08, not as much a couple of years ago. When they were on the team, they weren't on the floor, any of them, right? There, there were a bunch of those guys were there, and they either read or they played when it was Dotson and, and Azubuki and those guys in a, in a team that probably could have cut the nets down had the tournament not been canceled for COVID. So Kansas is poised to potentially win the game. They're favored right there in Vegas, and obviously everywhere we can place bets online, including here in Louisiana, which I'm excited to do, so I'm going to bet on them. I'm kind of <laughs> mad at myself when they were 14-1 to 1 at the start of the tournament. That I didn't lay a few bucks down then on, on my alma mater uh, because now there's the highest two to one, depending on, on where you're mm. looking, or two and a half to one. So uh, it won't surprise me if they win, but it won't blow my mind if, if they ended up losing. Talking all things Final Four right now with Brandon Cristal from KOA 850 and 94.1 in Denver here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. Yeah, you just said it wouldn't surprise you, but talking from college basketball experts, do they have Villanova still even being in the game with Justin Moore being out? I know he's not the leading scorer, but he is the second leading scorer. So is this just Villanova's going to go out and give a good effort, or do experts still think that they can win this game? I think because they have a Hall of Fame coach, because they have enough good players, right? It's not like these are a bunch of scrubs, right? <laughs> They've been to seven Final Fours as a program, but when you've got, you've got Colin Gillespie, your Big East player of the year, and he's averaging 15.5 points a game, and he's shooting 40% from three, uh, and he's obviously as a fifth-year senior, he was around as a part of the Wildcats last national championship in 2018. So that alone is going to keep him in the game. If they can get fouled, if they can draw fouls, they're the best free-throw shooting team as well of the four at 83%. Now, this is one of the better Kansas free-throw shooting teams uh, that Bill Self has had, but, but they don't hit 83%. So it's, they're really efficient offensively. And, and defensively, they're always going to be tough, and they're a top-20 defensive team in terms of efficiency. They're just not very deep, right? No. And, and so when, when you're not very deep and you lose, you're really your second-best player, that is going to affect your ceiling, right? There's only so much they can do, and, they, and, and on a not-deep team, when you lose a player, it hurts. But they were a two-seed, right? They're not the eight-seed that snuck in. Carolina is, and... And while that the seeing an eight next to them, whenever you see an eight next to them or Duke or Kansas or Kentucky, it surprises you. And we haven't seen it next to Kansas in a long time since Kirk Heinrich and, and Drew Gooden and Nick Collison were freshmen. So the the point is they're they might be an underdog, but they're they're still, they still have better odds to win than Carolina and they still have a Hall of Fame coach. Right, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you next was about that Hall of Fame coach because he's doing it. I mentioned Bill Self getting the four and five stars. That's what he gets. Uh, Jay Wright doesn't get those guys. You know, he, he gets guys that are, you know, the three stars, but he, he makes them fit. They stick around a little bit longer than, you know, the guys at Kansas are going to stick around. How does he continue to reinvent himself as the game changes? He continues to be able to get the ultimate buy-in from the players that he has. So, and maybe it's just from interactions with him, but – uh, as, as I mentioned to you guys, uh, I think earlier in the week, but this is my 15th Final Four. And being down here on Radio Row and, and, and having coaches get interviewed here and there, you uh, over the years, right, you just get to meet guys. And Jay Wright has always been as good as any coach I've met at remembering who you are and connecting and, and making that conversation feel important when you're just somebody talking to him. And, and I think talking to people close to him, 
he does an even better job of that with his players and gets them to buy in 100% without questioning anything that he does or tries to do. And, and even though the caliber of player may not be perennial McDonald's All-American type players or five-star guys, they aren't scrubs. And it is kids from the Northeast a lot of the time who grew up, I don't say in tougher environments, but in, in tough situations playing against good competition at, at every level because you're in a gym a lot in the, in the winter and then you can play outside in the summer and it's not a billion degrees all the time. And so I, I think that, like you, you pointed out, though, Q, with the ability to, to develop guys, get them to stick around for a while and understand exactly what he wants out of them, that they're able – like, I think his teams execute – their game plan year in year out as well as any team and any coach can get execution from his players yeah that's what it, it's what it seems like it really does and, and it's fun to watch it's going to be fun to watch on saturday of course kansas and villanova that's the first game and then of course the nightcap will be duke north carolina and brandon great stuff we'll talk duke north carolina with you tomorrow as we close out the week if that's good with you absolutely and i'll see if i can get anyone to tell me why they think Carolina's going to win that isn't a Carolina fan uh, <laughs> tonight as I pick some people's brains. All right, sounds great. Thank you so much, Brandon. Appreciate you. All right, Q. DeMond, talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Brandon Cristal right there from KOA 850 and uh, 94.1 in uh, in Denver. Does a fantastic job covering all Denver sports, but also covering the combine, covering the, the owners' meetings at the Final Four. Like you heard him say, 15 Final Four. I mean, he's just all over the place, and so uh, very much appreciate him giving us a few minutes of his time. 2.56 is the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. We'll have cover three NFL news and notes of the day and one that is personal, near and dear to my heart. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.